2: good evening everyone good afternoon good morning wherever you are welcome to the same old arsenal thursday sit down pod episode three wow episode three um thank you and hello to everybody in the chat room look who's beside me tonight the fabulous the gorgeous the wonderful alison Bender. welcome to the show
1: Princess Goona. Amanda, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's great to be on your show and I actually listened back to your episode with Rebecca Lowe and for anyone in the chat who hasn't seen that yet, it was really good. I mean, Rebecca's a good friend of mine and colleague and, and it was just really great to hear her and some of her stories.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We'll get to that because obviously it's quite parallel with your life and the fact that you're in the media and everything that you go through. So I'm interested to delve deep into that but first of all we really need to start with a little bit of sad news oh my life John Watson the voice of football well certainly for me and for you growing up he was just the voice of football wasn't he and unfortunately passed away today at the age of 77 um really sad isn't it Alison I'm I'm assuming you worked with him at some point
1: yeah and, and it's funny Amanda because I Obviously, I work with players and managers all the time, and I don't get starstruck. But I have to say, the first time I ever met Motty, I was properly starstruck, right? Because he was wearing his iconic sheepskin. When he opens his mouth, it's the weirdest thing, because it's like he is the voice of football, right? He's got this very special tone and timbre that's like, it is just so iconic. And actually, someone on my, I was tweeting about it, and someone said, a bit like murray walker in his field and it's true there's a few these these iconic legends and with these amazing voices and i was also really really lucky because i got to work with Motti not that long ago actually and we worked together on this amazing project which was his top 50 ever games he's ever covered and Ooh. oh my god did he do do his homework I, i'll tell you what it didn't have to be he could have just rocked up and been like oh, i can just talk about it but he spent Hours and hours, painstakingly going through every single one. Imagine fifty games, and writing out each one and why it was important. Um, and he was such a charming. He was such a charming guy. I just want to actually just, if you don't mind, I'd love to tell a little story about him.
2: Absolutely, go ahead.
1: um It was just. It was one of the first times I spoke to him, and it just. I think it's a really important story for a lot of reasons, right? So I was in the Chelsea press room, and by the way, we'll we'll um, we'll. we'll cover that elephant in the room, the fact that I'm not an Arsenal fan, I'm a Chelsea fan. I'll put my cards on the table. But um, I was in the Chelsea press room and I was covering Chelsea against Wigan as a reporter years ago when Roberto Martinez was manager and when Wigan were in the Premier League, right? And um, I, was, I was doing my normal thing. I'm scribbling notes and I'm like reciting my lines because I'm still a bit nervous and I'm, you know, and then this amazing voice I hear beh- beside me and he's go- he goes, oh, I love to see a grafter. And I look up, and it was Motti. And mm. he said to me, I still prepare now the same way that I prepared on day one. I do my notes handwritten, and I re- and I, um, I recite my lines. And because I'm seeing you do that, I want to give you a little reward. And it was a bit weird. I was like, what? And he goes, I'm going to give you the early team news. The reason I tell you the story is because back in the day, we were warned, people like Rebecca and I, warned that there are a lot of men in this industry commentators producers uh presenters who won't like the fact that we're women in the game and they will make our lives a misery and they will tell us false information they will tell us things to make us look stupid and they'll they'll say things so that we mess it up on air and i'm afraid to say it has happened right and no girls who've had that experience so as soon as mossy said this i was a bit like that's really kind but i'm afraid i'm not sure if i could trust you because of this guarded, which is really sad, isn't it? Anyway, he told me all this, all this information, and then um, lo and behold, an hour later, team news comes out. He had given me the best information. There were there were seasoned journalists there that hadn't heard about this young boy that was starting on the bench, and he told me about him, so I was able to do my prep and I knew all about him. And I was both sad and happy at the same time because I was like really sad that you know we have this mistrust, but then I was like you're a good guy. And um, and that's the kind of person, really generous spirit, right, with his sharing, because not yeah. all of us are. Um, and so I'll never forget that. That was absolutely lovely from Motti.
2: That is. I mean, we're going to go into that. And you've had a question already about Graham Potter. What we're going to do is we're going to go through um, chatting about Alison's life and obviously Chelsea, and then I will ask some questions. So if you can ask that question later, I'll definitely put it to her. So, Alison, as I said, um, it's really interesting because obviously interviewing Rebecca Lowe last week, you know, head anchor at NBC Sports, which is incredible, all her stories she told us, and there's so much more as well. And by the way, everyone, she really loved the show. She really – and she's going to come back. She really enjoyed it. So um, thanks to everyone in the chat room that night. Um, Some of the stories she told me – about the sexism side, for me, were unbelievable. I just, and I've been going to football since about 1973, properly about 1980. And I've never experienced it. I've yeah. never, ever in my whole life experienced it. Where I live, everyone knew I was an Arsenal fan. Everyone used to talk to me about football, and they still do. Wherever I go, that's because of my father as well. But I've never experienced it until social media. Mm. And then someone tried it with me. And as (laughs) you know, Alison. Don't
1: mess with PG.
2: (laughs) Don't mess with PG. Um, Because the thing is, I don't get angry. I don't retaliate. I just take the mickey and show sarcasm to them. I've been to more football games than most men. I watch more football than most men. I don't only watch the Arsenal. I watch loads and loads and loads of other teams. And I never felt like I had to justify myself. Social media was a little bit like that over the years. And then I was telling this story the other day about um, someone I, I, I know who said to me, who didn't really know me that well, who said to me, so how did you get into football? I said, did you ask anyone else in the room or just the girl? He went, oh, I'm not being sexist. I went, no, you are. Did you ask your mate how he got into football? Because I can tell you now.
1: Isn't it? Yeah.
2: Exactly. And he went, oh, he really didn't realise. And I had to educate him and said, you are, because you're singling me out because I'm female and I know more football than you. I know more football than all of you. So carry on. And, I mean, he's a great guy and he didn't realise, but I just think some of it's ingrained. So Rebecca went through a lot. And uh, as we were just talking a little bit off air about this, Tell me some of the experiences that you have had as a football fan and as a reporter, journalist, and then we can go into all your um, yeah. professional work as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really good that you don't you haven't experienced it, and I can also see why. It's very clear you really know your stuff. You you know how to speak the lingo. It sounds really silly, but you're like one of the gang, and I think that's really important. And I always remember this. This guy on Twitter once saying to me, don't take this the wrong way, Alison, but the reason I love listening to you on the radio is because you speak about football like a lad and it's like... You know, some people would be really offended about like by that. But to be honest, there's a lot of masculinity about me because I've grown up around a lot of boys. I've always worked with men. I'm used to kind of the way people talk about football you as well, exactly. There yep. is also a very girly side to me. And I think that girly side, when it creeps in, that's actually when I get the abuse because I think men find it really hard to, set, to, to have the two things together. So it's like high heels and makeup and talking about football – that doesn't tally right. And I think it's very difficult for a lot of the girls who are super glam. I mean, I've got a friend, Kay Murray, who's on ESPN, knows everything about football, you know, massive Middlesbrough fan. But her first kind of persona on Twitter was was very much, she was called she called herself football Barbie. And I guess she opened herself up to abuse, but she said, Well, why can't I be, you know, glamorous, wear makeup, wear high heels, and still love football? Like, why can't I be that? Um, it's a tricky one, and I know, obviously, we've got loads of lads in the chat room, and I think it's, you know, I never want to be that girl who goes on about it to the point where, like, I get it, it, it is primarily, you know, it was a man's game, and I think it's it's getting better, it's, you know, there's definitely more um, accessibility for women in, in the media, and I think it's all brilliant, but I also know that it's given me the job that I love, and I never want to criticise it too much, but at the same time, there is a line, right? I mean, some of the stuff I had, I mean, I mean, I can laugh about it. But one of the funniest moments, to be honest with you, was um, when I was pregnant and also at having when I had my first baby. Right. So I went back to games because I just didn't want to be away from it. And I was breastfeeding and my boobs were gigantic, Amanda. They were <laughs> up to
2: and I get like that
1: because they were full of milk. Right. And I realised the way that the football fans treated me differently in that period. It was so fascinating. And I remember walking across, I think it was um, a Craven Cottage, and I think it was Newcastle game, and all the away fans were basically, get your tits out for the lads, which I hadn't had before. Being a small-breasted woman, it wasn't a chant that was aimed at me. But in this particular moment, I was like, <laughs> oh. And I went into the press room, and I remember all these men acting really giddy around me like that hadn't in the past and I think just it was like a, a realization that there as a woman there are certain things that are gonna make that men behave in a different way and that was um a really interesting little social experiment I suppose it was it was quite funny and um, but yeah just all the regular stuff like you say like oh how did you get into football all of that all the time and but do you actually like football first question <laughs> no yeah. I mean I've done this my entire life of course so yeah it's it's a tricky one but I just put up with it i I actually I don't mind little things like people calling me love that doesn't bother me um petal and some girls get very offended and uptight by that stuff. I think you can tell when it's done in a derogatory fashion and I think there's also a lot of really lovely lads out there who are trying to just be nice and it's taken the wrong way if you get what I mean
2: Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday,
0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at champacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group.
2: Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I, unfortunately, I don't think it will ever change. Um, I think it'll always be seen as a man's game regardless of what the women do the fact that they won the euros the fact that all our clubs have got women's teams now that are highly supported as well it'll always be that how did you get into football and you know do you understand offside i used to get that a lot yeah. oh brilliant i'll go yeah i'll explain offside you go first yeah i think they're go because i'll probably guarantee you'll yeah. be wrong because you don't and when they call it um you don't know the rules i go no i know the laws because it's football yeah. laws not rules so I, I don't know. I, I think it's never ever bothered me, but but I remember years and years ago going on social media, and someone said something to me, and I just ridicule. I'm just brilliant. I keep I've got that meme I send out, um, and people said, "No, you really should stand up," and you you know other people can't handle it, and I realised then that some girls can't mm-hmm. um, because it's never bothered me. I don't really care what anyone says. I remember living in a. Um, Um, many many years ago living in a house um, with my ex-husband and we had a picture of Ian Wright up and you know a tradesman came in started talking to my ex-husband about football and he went it's her and that will never change Alison and that didn't bother me because
1: you know what I do, do you sometimes find as well that you do it too and I do it too as well like you don't mean to and I I've had exactly the same in my house with all my memorabilia up. Um, you know, I've got actually a really good commentary board just behind me. And it'll be like, oh, does your husband this? And in fact, something happened to me the other day. So I was, um, I had a builder in the house doing something. And I was researching for a game. And I was looking at some tactics boards. And he said in quite a patronising way, oh, are you are teaching yourself football? Mm-hmm. And I just went, no, it's my job. And I wasn't trying to be an asshole about it. But I was a bit like, oh dude but you know what i do it as well and i can't you know i can't be too critical because if i see a girl that is really really good i saw a girl on sky sports the other day was absolutely nailing it she was brilliant and i remember thinking oh that's impressive googling her who's this girl and i'm thinking i wouldn't have done that with the lads it would just be another guy who's good at football um analysis because it's it is unusual and rebecca actually rebecca Lowe did speak about um She was on my podcast a while ago and she spoke about how because there were so few female, um, you know, reporters and and presenters in the game, we were almost like compared to one another like specimens because it was so unusual. Whereas because there are more now, there's not quite such a crazy comparison. But it did used to be like, who's hotter, this person or this person or who's better or who's whatever. And it was just it was it was really I remember it being so hugely competitive and just not a very nice place to be in. And you just felt like you were constantly being scrutinised.
2: I think as well, when I went to Highbury, I said this on the show last week as well. um, God rest her soul, there was Maria, who is Mrs. Arsenal. She was in the other stand to me. There was a, a girl called Jan behind me, still my friend now, and one other. Now, there's probably many other girls that went. I didn't know them and I didn't see them. Um like you I have a brother and two cousins I grew up boys we played sports so I was a bit of a tomboy yet I'm very girly and I go out with glitter and glamour and I don't really care because I have both in my world um and I just I, I unfortunately it will never change it it doesn't matter what we say that tradesman will still come into your house and go to your husband and when that tradesman looked at me I said to him, so where do you sit at the Emirates there? Um, It was Highbury there. So where do you sit at Highbury? And the minute you start talking, it doesn't take long for the male species to realise you know what you're talking about. And it was really interesting, and I'm just going to say this once, and it was probably my paranoia, but when I interviewed, because remember I don't do your job, when I interviewed all the um, 89 um, players and some extras, For AFTV when the premiere was going on. I remember I didn't even know I was going to do this till I turned up. Um, I every single time how I started the conversation, if you notice, I will say, well, when I was behind the goal, because I wanted them to know that I wasn't just this presenter, how it looked at interviewer, I wanted them to know I was there 30 years ago and I was behind that goal. So you you gained that respect. I did that to the players. Yeah, I don't, even, I don't
1: positive, even, by the way, that's, I always tell people starting out, that's one of the most important things you can do because they don't know whether they're going to trust you or give you a good answer. And I think the second that you give them a reason to like show that you're one of them, you get a very different answer. And actually like I, I interviewed Declan Rice again the other day and I was with a couple of ex-pros and I noticed that the answer he gave them was a lot more technical. And I, and it's, again, it's mm. not his fault. But, but but I also think fair play because they are ex-footballers and so he's speaking in a way that they would understand and probably I wouldn't understand quite as well. But I do love, I love tactics and I really love speaking to players about that kind of thing. And I don't always want to just get like the freely answer, the fluffy answer. But it is, it's really hard and you can't blame, it is it's unconscious bias. We all have it in our lives. It's getting better. And that's why I love being, you know, I love being front and centre on screen showing young girls that you can do it. And, you know, that's, just as 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 fun as actually doing it myself like being able to show other people that they can too so it's it's kind of nice
2: well that's similar to rebecca as well because after rebecca's show i got so many dms from females saying she's so inspirational to me which is the same so she's over there and you're over here now you're back working at sky tell me all about how this came about
1: it's actually absolutely nuts because i first started working in sky in 2006 I was really green. I was really young. I wasn't good enough. And Sky back then, they did used to kind of throw you in at the deep end. And, you know, I felt very proficient at football, but I did not feel very comfortable cricket, golf and all the other sports. And I wasn't really trained, to be honest, I was sort of thrown to the walls a bit. And so I don't think I gave as best an account of myself as I wanted to. And I did a bit of freelance work there. But um, I then ended up kind of never getting fired or anything, but just sort of, the the shifts dried up or whatever. But I always wanted to come back to Sky and show them that I'd improved, you know? It was one of those things in my head, like, that for me, and my boss at the time, he actually said, go off, Alison, get yourself some pitch side experience, go and see the world and do this and that, and then come back. Um, And yet, even though he said that, he never let Mm -hmm. me back. And I would always apply and, and, you know, have a chat and they'd be like, oh, we're all right now. Thank you, Alison. And so 26 years on, after having two kids and gone away and done all my, you know, stuff, it was just really lovely to be invited back. Basically, they said they wanted an experienced pair of hands, which I, you know, never thought I was going to be. And um, they were short, basically, of uh, they had a lot of people sick. They had a lot of, you know, cover needed. Right place, right time an opportunity to go back there and it's so nice to be in the same building but as an experienced person having done all this and being pitch side, and I just love being back I just love being back there so and I never take David for granted because no I know of course I know how hard it is to stay in this industry
2: so wh- when are you on what do you do
1: so I'll be on actually, I mean, again, I'm I'm free, I'm a, I'm a freelance cover person, you know, I'm not going to be one of their main anchors. And, and to be honest, that's fine for me, because I've got a lot of other work going on. So I guess they give me like maybe a couple of shifts a month, just ad hoc. I've got one coming up um, in a couple of weeks, I think. So I do you know, the main sort of Sky Sports news co-presenting eventually they said they'll give me a shift on my own but it's quite nice having someone yeah. alongside me at the moment just because it is hard remembering all the different cameras you do a lot of ad-libbing there's a lot of different sports people don't realize quite how much you have to do ad-libbing as well ad-libbing into the breaks and stuff they'll just throw a picture up and say just talk for 25 seconds or whatever um and then I also do a bit of the sky news bulletins as well um so just at the end of each hour just kind of wrapping up the main sports headlines so, yeah, and that alongside all the other work that I do, like I do a bit of work for the Premier League, I'm actually interviewing Moyes tomorrow, who's obviously a bit under pressure at the moment. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that varies. I go to all different clubs and that often takes me to Arsenal. So it's nice to interview you lot, your lot. But as. And as, that you
2: know, leads me on to my next segment. So for people in the chat room that don't know, um, Alison has interviewed quite a few of our players. We're going to discuss that in a second. But she'll often WhatsApp me and go, "Do you want to ask them anything?" I go, "WhatsApp, FaceTime me. I want to speak to them. I want to blow kisses to them," and she can't because she's very professional. But um, a couple of weeks ago, you said you were interviewing Ben White and Leandro Trossard. Um, Did you ask my question, by the way? Which one? Did you ask him? Do you remember I said about the uh, atmosphere at the Emirates? And does he like playing left, uh, right back?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I did. So I definitely did. Thank you. I always, it's really nice. I always, I always have my own set of questions, but I think you always, it always pays to speak to a massive fan and to also engage with the, the real fans and know exactly, you know, what they want. You know, I think it's really important to sort of get the message across what, what the fans want to hear. Um I, I mean, I've noticed, I mean, the atmosphere at the Emirates is mind-blowingly different. And, I, you know, <laughs> I've only ever been to one game at Highbury, actually, which was um, Arsenal against Real Madrid in about, you'll tell me, 2005 maybe in the Champions League.
2: Um, I will be able to tell you, but Robert or Carl in the chat room will be able to tell you. When did we play?
1: When did scored a goal? It was obviously over two legs. And at Highbury, it was nil-nil, I believe. And it was really tense. And I remember the dying moments. Um but in the first leg, I think Thierry Henry scored a goal at the Bernabeu. So obviously, right. well, of course, it was because then you went on to the um, final. And oh, well, then it was two thousand and six. It was,
2: yeah, was two thousand and six. Exactly. yeah.
1: So I was there at that Highbury game. Yeah, amazing. Um, but yeah, to be honest, over the years, I've not enjoyed the Emirates at all. The atmosphere has been really dull. It. I was there loads in lockdown, and it was. It was obviously oh, wow, not dead. Didn't have any? Yeah. Fans. So I've I've always associated it with a bit of a dead place. And oh, my goodness, like this season has been wild. I've actually stood back and taken videos and been like, you know, I'm a Chelsea fan, but I'm like goosebumps moments. It's like, wow, look at these fans. And even when you're conceding, they're just like going for it and like throughout the game and oh, it's it's amazing. And I'm really pleased for Arteta because I've always been a big fan of him. And he's had tough times and, and it was really hard last season having to do interviews with him. So it's nice to see. So yeah, I did. I asked. Um, sorry, I asked Ben White about the positioning as well, and he actually told me that um, he spent most of his child. You probably know this anyway, but most of his childhood in his youth football playing in that position, um, before being moved to centre back. And then he said, so when he was asked to play right back, he was like, "Oh, this is like my, um, you know, my youth." And actually, maybe that's worked really well because you know how they always say when players are playing for fun and not overthinking things, they're at their best. And maybe it almost rekindled like that carefree youth spirit. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really, it was a nice interview actually. They, I got the impression, Ben White, I mean, you, you'll have seen him way more than I have, but I didn't realize he he's not loving interviews, I don't think. He didn't seem like he was the big character, right? Like some of the other ones are. Um, but he was, you know, he was perfectly lovely. But just, I just got the feeling that he was is not his favourite thing.
2: No, and I think he's not into football. Weirdly, no, he said that. Yeah, yeah. He, I've I've read this before. His family are not. He's just literally fallen into it. So this sort of life is not really his sort of life, and that's where uh, that's probably what I've come across. Okay, so. with regards to the atmosphere, that started towards the end of last season. The away fans started this. All of a sudden, they just did not stop supporting the boys. If we lost, you know, if we went one down, they would still cheer that player back to the penalty spot. We've never seen, um, halfway line, sorry. We've never seen that before. And it it sort of um, fed into the Emirates. And we'd always said that, Positivity feeds positivity. Toxicity through the Wenger years and beginning our tetra and our tetra and all that nonsense um, has just so changed everything. And it's so wonderful because I tell everybody the atmosphere has completely changed. They all think I'm being exaggerated. Oh no. It, it, I know. It, it, and and, it really and what's happened as well, Alison, is we've got a new song. Now I love it, North London Forever, where it just brings us to we've never had you've got you know blue is we the color we've never had I it
1: sing it sing it for me what's the what's
2: the chant no 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 i can't, I can't sing I can't. it'll go it's north london forever whatever the weather these streets are our own it's by louis dunford and it's yeah. I, I think it. Is that i thing,
1: that right at the very beginning because i noticed a new yes. chant i hadn't heard before Yeah. yes, yet. yes. But very together on this and it's it was new for me by the way can I just say in the chat Robert has said yes exactly nil-nil and then um, at Highbury and he said we won fir- one nil at the Burnabout which I was there as well and I remember in fact interviewing Thierry Henry in the mix zone and being really soft and I asked the press officer if I could could interview this new young kid called Theo Walcott who I'd heard was really good from Southampton and they were <laughs> protecting him and they said no one's allowed because he's too young
2: um, oh, yeah. he was young when he joined us. He's young, it's
1: so um, lovely. Anyway, sorry.
2: Yeah, no. So you know, it's brought us all together. The stadium is more full. You cannot get a ticket for love nor money anymore for any away game. And this did start before the season. It was becoming. I mean, I've never seen the Emirates as full as it was about a month ago when we played United. I couldn't find a seat. And every corporate seat, every club-level seat was tight. I couldn't see one anywhere. Now, our ground has never been full, ever. There's always rows – not rows, but there's always loads of seats I can see. Um, And it's bringing us all together. And, of course, when you are top of the league for most – well, all of the season, apart from three days, I think, it's breeding that positivity. Um, And we're playing the most beautiful football um yeah. we lost Jesus, which hopefully back on the training field this week um we lost Jesus, and obviously Eddie came in, and we tried to encourage him as well um but i just want I just want to jump back a little bit because there are just a few questions that I want to know something yeah. How did you start in the industry, and what made you go into? I know you love football. I know you were brought up a Chelsea fan by your dad, like I was. You went to football, so was that it as a kid you wanted to get into? reporting and presenting?
1: Yeah no to be honest the the football thing actually I sort of fell into because my love was really the television side. I found TV really fascinating and I wanted to be in TV as a producer or a presenter or a director or an editor or anything Um, and so actually Mm. I started like behind the camera first of all straight out of uni and in fact I always knew since I was like 10 years old I wanted to do it And the teachers all said it was a ridiculous profession and go and pick something else. I went to quite an academic school and everyone was sort of lawyers and doctors and stuff, blah, blah. Um, And so they didn't think it was a very legitimate career. And so when I finished university, I started working like as a runner for kind of the bottom rung of the ladder in a TV production company. And I did some sport, but it was also like politics, world news, that kind of thing. Um, and it was only when I decided I wanted to be on the other side of the camera I thought I really want to give presenting a go and they sort of laughed a bit they were saying you know I didn't have enough gravitas my voice was too squeaky I wouldn't be taken seriously I looked too young because I did have quite a baby face Um, all these sort of um, negative kind of no one was encouraging me and so I said look I'm going to give myself a year experiment I'm going to do some presenting experience and you know, if I don't really, if it doesn't work out, I'd like to come back as a producer. And so within that year, I tried doing all different types of presenting just to kind of get the experience. And, um, oh my goodness, I did all sorts of things. shopping TV. um, I did like red carpet, like film stuff. So I tried a bit of it all. And then I got an opportunity, which I mean, it's a ridiculous opportunity for someone's first opportunity But they needed a producer to launch Real Madrid TV English version. And because I'd been doing producing for about six years by then, I was the perfect candidate. So it was a producer and presenter. So I moved out to Madrid, literally, one-way ticket, didn't know how long I was going to spend out there. But you just have to embrace that experience. And I didn't know anything about La Liga. I was very green. Like, I did not know... Real Madrid, really. I had to learn that football club inside out. So I definitely think I, there was a lot of paranoia there and a lot of imposter syndrome, certainly, um, because I knew I had to learn it and I knew I wasn't going to be as good as a lot of the lads um, who were there. I I've made myself research the entire history of the Champions League, like for my first Champions League game, Real Madrid against Leon. I was like, you know, um, and it just kind of went from there. I absolutely fell in love with it as, you know, football TV was my thing. And I, at that point, I knew this is not a stepping stone. This is what I want to do. And, you know, forget all the other stuff now, football. Um, And I just was very lucky that from that point on, football opportunities basically came my way. So it was a bit weird. And I don't think that would happen now, to be honest. I think there's definitely a lot more demand. And I think, you know, to land a, a job at Real Madrid TV without having worked anywhere else in football, fantastic but how lucky I was
0: it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper
2: So you do a lot of work for Astro Sports, don't you?
1: Yeah. Because that's yeah. where you do
2: a lot of the interviewing of the Arsenal players.
1: Yeah, I do. I'm basically freelance, so I, I pick up lots of different work. But the reason I love working for Astro Malaysia, it's a Malaysian channel, is because, first of all, they're rights holders. So they have the rights. I can go to a game every week, and I, get, I have the right to interview the manager and a player after the game, straight after the mm. match, which is amazing. And... People don't always understand how it works in football, but if you're not rights holders, you don't have the right to interview those guys. So you can wait in the mix zone and try and grab someone, but they won't stop necessarily. But because of our rights holders, we because we are rights holders, we actually get that interview for definite. So whenever I go I to a match, I know that I'm definitely gonna get the manager or a player from both sides. Um, And they've also been a really great company in allowing me to be incredibly experimental. I mean, they said to me, when you interview Trossard and, and Ben White, you don't even have to ask any questions about football because the fans care more about their personalities and their life. So they allow me to sort of have freedom, which is really nice. Whereas when you work for Sky Sports, you have to ask the really tough questions. It's, you know, it's about getting sacked in the morning or whatever the big news line is. And I get that, yeah. it's part of the job as well. But I just love that Astro gave me that lovely free reign to kind of just find out a bit more about the personalities. And that's why, by the way, I absolutely fell in love with Granite Xhaka as a character through one of my interviews I did with him. And I remember chatting to you, Amanda, and I was like, you guys, you Arsenal fans, you've got him wrong. Trust me, I just sat with him for twenty minutes, and he's so misunderstood. And this was before the whole debacle. And I remember you saying, "But you know what? Just some some fans out there just don't warm to him for whatever reason." And I feel like nobody quite knew the real him. But now we're seeing it, right? You you just see the value of him, right? He's
2: yeah.
1: You know, people said that that Arsenal didn't have leaders, and now you look at your team, right? And you've got like an abundance of leaders. They're all over the shop, but they were, some of them were there. So whatever Arteta has managed to do, and they've obviously helped themselves, it's just been this sort of snowball effect where everyone's made each other stronger, right?
2: Well, Arteta's playing a little bit more, um, Arteta, Jacques playing a little bit more forward and been phenomenal. Amazing. Thomas Party has helped that. We have leaders everywhere. You are so right with that. What was Trossard like?
1: So he was actually, again, very sort of not, the, not wanting to be the centre of attention, you know. He was a very good guy. It was really interesting hearing they, they call him Leo. Um, and I said to him, like, oh, so, you know, Leandro is not what anyone calls you. And he's like, no, everyone calls me Leo. And <laughs> I was like, what about you? Is it Benjamin or Ben? And uh, just trying to sort of get to know the kind of what yeah. like. And I think Trossard just came across as a very, um, I think they are very focused football people. I mean, like you say, Ben, not into football, but his job is his focus. And, you know, Ben said to me, honestly, I know you're asking me all these questions about my life. And he said, I'll be really honest, my life's quite boring. And he said, I go to training, I come home, I walk the dog, I have a nap, I have a bit of food. And it's like you want these crazy answers. But actually, if you are in a title winning season, a season, sorry, potential title winning season, a season where there's been a World Cup, you kind of want those players to do nothing more than play and rest, actually. Um, And it sounds like that's what they do. I know Xhaka has a bit more of a, I think he likes to, I was reading an article, he loves to go out in Camden with his wife he's really into like London and like the, the normal people London rather than you know a lot of the players hang out in Mayfair and all the rest of it um but I get the impression Jacker likes to sort of have a bit more of normal life um but I do but I do think a lot of the players are are great professionals actually and Arteta would want that of them right he's very demanding with what oh he wants god yeah
2: him. absolutely so I'm just going to bring this question in Party, I'm just going to bring this. I'm sorry, Alison. I'm just going to bring you this know, question no. in for William Jack. Hi, William. Welcome to the show. And thank you for your question. A lot has been made in the media and our support about the redemption of Jacka. Do you think that Granite has always been himself and it's us who've had a redemption?
1: Yes, I do. Question. I think it's a great question. And how sad for a player because you know yourself. Like, I remember when I did that interview with him he had the worst stats right they were shocking he had I think he had the um, mistakes that led to a goal he was the highest in the Premier League right mm. and I listened to him and you know what sometimes if you put a question like that to a player I mean you'll get a really arsey answer and he was yep. so good about it and he just said look I know my stats he goes I read them all and he said and I know my social media I read all of it and he said I always do my best for the team and sometimes if that leads to a a goal at least I know I tried and I do I'll do everything like I really throw my body on the line and you could just sometimes see from players that they really mean it and you can see from other players that they just don't care and you you want those fighters on your team and he's I think that he has always been that and I think that a lot of a lot of Fans maybe didn't quite see that side of him. And I remember seeing that side of him in that interview. And then shortly after that interview, the whole booing thing happened. And I felt really sad because I was like, I want to speak out for you. But there was this huge pile on from everyone. And it was almost like you had to hate him. And it was, it was, it was really quite vile. And knowing what um... I know about him, he reads all that stuff. It just must have been such a dark time.
2: Unfortunately, it wasn't a great time and he threw his shirt on the pitch and you don't throw your Arsenal shirt on the pitch and it all kicked off and I, 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 listen, I, I didn't boo him, I don't boo, but however, I didn't want him to play for our club again. I'll hold my hands up straight away and say that because no one disrespects the shirt like that.
1: But, but could it's you, such a. I see that frustration because he cares so much. Imagine if you know you're putting. Yeah, your heart but he
2: cares so much, Alison. But he was making stupid tackles and getting sent off, massive red cards all the time, and it, and it, it, must it, be it frustrating.
1: felt. I, I get it. I do get it. But having spoken to him and realizing, and also, we just know like players are just trying their best, and sometimes it doesn't work, and it's just like, how frustrating must that be? they he was to...
2: continuous, Alison. It wasn't – and there's a funny thing now because he's totally different. He's totally different. I don't even remember the last – touch wood, the last yellow card he got or sent off. Probably going to happen against Leicester now because I've said this, but <laughs> I don't remember it, where it would be week after week. But we have this thing now. So whenever there's a bad tackle – and trust me, Harry Kane's done a few and a few Tottenham players that get away with it we will go go down that road. Um, we would go – if that was Xhaka, that's all we ever say, if that was Xhaka. We always, we always do on social media. Um, so your career, who is your biggest influence? Who's been your biggest influence?
1: You know, it's a boring answer for your fan base, to be honest, because nobody will have heard of her. But um, when I was in the business world, I looked up to this lady called Maria Bartiromo, who was affectionately known as the money honey because she was, again, a woman in a man's world. She worked on the stock exchange floor. She was the only woman amongst the sea of men. And she was very attractive, but she never used her good looks to her advantage. She just made sure that her content was there. And as a young journalist, I just thought she was absolutely brilliant. Um, and then to be honest, when it comes to like the female sort of commentators, although, you know, of course we've got, you know, Gabby Logan and loads of great females out there who were there to inspire mm. her. I didn't really look towards females necessarily I just was like I looked at whoever i just thought was was decent male or yeah female really and, and you know i just i always knew that I wanted to do a mixture of TV work in the studio and also pitch side I love being pitch side um and just being able to convey that enthusiasm when you're on the pitch when you've got the fans and the fans oh, are amazing the like you know having worked in a an empty stadium over covid football was Awful. I mean, it was just, it was depressing. I just didn't, I just didn't really want it to carry it. Like, it was just pointless. It just felt like a training exercise.
2: We won the FA Cup with no fans there. It was the worst experience. We won it and I'm over the moon. I would have been there. I've been to all the cup finals since 1986. I felt absolutely gutted that we weren't there but no one was there so it wasn't only me but it was an awful experience um i'm going to ask you this you probably won't be able to answer but who's your favorite interview and who's the worst interview you've ever done
1: oh do you know it's a really weird thing but goalkeepers are such great interviews i don't know what it is about the goalkeepers And actually, Ramsdale, have I interviewed him? No, I'd love to, having watched All or Nothing um, and seeing just what a character he is. And he's another one who is pissed off when he, excuse my, when he concedes a goal, you just see his fury. Um, But generally speaking, I really like interviewing goalkeepers. They seem a little bit more... Maybe it's because you're not the centre of attention type of player. I don't know. But Petr Cech was always lovely um, back in the day. Um, And he would want to talk about other stuff other than football. And he talked about, you know, he was a musician and he talked about cooking sometimes. And um, so he was great. Um, When I was at Real Madrid, I always loved speaking to Beckham as well because he was at the height of his fame. So that was amazing. And then worst, there's a few players that just clearly just don't want to be there. And that's always really hard because you're like, I'm doing my job. Um, yeah. Think of if I've got Help the- me out here. I'm oh, doing my job. Way, Arsenal players, I used to love Robin Van Persie when he was there. Really, really enjoyed him. Oh. It's funny because some <laughs> people don't like him. What are you? No,
2: not a fan? no, 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 no. Not some. <laughs> most Arsenal fans. And I think I can speak on most. The problem you've got, Alison, yeah, is that he was injured every single season of his life with us.
1: Yeah.
2: And when he he left when he was on a high with us, yeah. I don't know the story behind it. He goes to United, he disrespects yeah. Arsenal. You don't yeah. need to do yeah. that.
1: Basically, yeah.
2: And when they do that, you lose all respect. And yes, no Arsenal fans will talk highly of Robin Van Persie. Um
1: bad answer, sorry. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
2: no, that's cool. It's good to know that you like to interview him. Um I want to know what you think of Arteta. What's he like? Rebecca said he's guarded, um, and she'd like him not to be guarded. It could be that he comes from the Wenger and the Pep school. So,
1: yes, absolutely. I I think that um, I've tried so hard to scratch beneath the surface of the professionalism that he has, and just before the cameras roll, sometimes he's a little bit friendlier, and then the cameras come on, and it's He's you know, like that. After a win and like I remember chatting to him straight after a win and he's like, he should have been, you know, against against Tottenham as well. Like this should have been like the the greatest moment kind of thing. And then the camera's rolling and he's very much like game by game and you know, it's all of three points and and I, I find that really a shame because like we just wanna hear the real side and he did have a bit of a laugh with me about the fact that he's never watched all or nothing. I couldn't believe that.
2: Yeah, I've heard that.
1: Why wouldn't you? Um, And he was quite funny. And then the camera started rolling, and he sort of tensed up a bit. I get it; he he needs to be guarded because of the way that the media is. Um, And he also knows, you know, he'll remember the fact that I've had to ask really awful, awful, awkward questions when he's had a difficult time. But um, I just really like him. I liked him as a player. I interviewed him many times when he was a player, Um, and I and I, I have top respect for him as a manager. He, you know, he doesn't really. I don't think he enjoys his job very much. I think he works so hard that that he hasn't left room to enjoy it yet. But I think a lot of managers will say that because it it means so much to them to win, especially this season. By the way, for what it's worth, I've been around for the last 20 years title-winning teams. And there's an energy around the camp and you feel it. You just feel it. And I've felt it and I've known every year you can pretty much even when it's been really tight when I was at Leicester at Christmas I knew it I recorded in the dressing room against all the odds Leicester had won the Premier League and the press officer looked at me and went it's December I went trust me I'm going to keep this and I'm going to play it out in May
2: oh wow I like,
1: don't jinx it, Alison I was like I just know and I'm not saying I'm some clever wing because I don't always get it right um with results and predictions or whatever but but I can tell you there is a vibe, there is an energy, and Arsenal have it right now. Every time oh. I go to the training grounds, that energy is there. Of course, I... there's a long way to go, and a lot can happen. Yeah, yeah. But they've got that. Whatever it is, they love each other. They fight for each other. They've got leaders. They even respond. I mean, that that Aston Villa game, by the way, to me was like punctuates that kind of feeling. I mean, flipping heck, <laughs> you Arsenal fans must have been like...
2: Well, I listen, it was, I was at obviously the Emirates when we lost the City and the desperation of it all. Um, but I kept saying, and I tweeted beforehand, I said, just if we win, it doesn't mean we've won the league. And if we lose, it doesn't mean we've lost the league. I truly believe that. I've been around title winning Arsenal sides. I've seen what's happened. You know what? You know, it's like obviously Chelsea have won quite a few titles and Champions League and whatever. However, the going into Aston Villa for me was absolutely one million percent make or break. And when we didn't play well in the first half and he sent them out three, four minutes earlier in the second half, I said to Carl, I bet he's thrown teacups in that changing rooms. I bet he's lost his rag. Because now this is the most important second half. And they absolutely were magnificent. I can't fault them. And if Arteta did what I think he did and obviously looked like he did, then big up to him as well because he sent them out there like he was annoyed with them. Like, get out. I'm sorry. you have better than this. You, you know you're better than this. And then all of a sudden our lovely football came back. And Saka is just... Oh, my God. And the news that Saka is just broken, that there's a contract there and apparently he's in talks. I can't see Saka going anywhere. I would – no way. It's just – no, he's too young and he loves the Arsenal. And as you said, that lovely vibe. But it would be very remiss of me not to talk about your team. So, Alison, I don't want to upset you. you (laughs) We are 23 points ahead of your team. And 28 goals ahead of your team. <laughs> now, I've heard you spent about 2 billion, right? You've got in a new manager. I've um, yeah. never seen, sorry, I shouldn't say that, not never. I don't think I've seen a Chelsea side this bad in so many years. I, I can't even remember. Um, and you are bad at the moment. You know you are. I mean, I've even got my Tottenham friends saying they're going to beat you on Sunday, when normally. Oh, awesome. So, I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do have Tottenham friends, and I do have Chelsea friends. Yeah. Um, there was a question here very early on. Let me see if I can get it back from. I'm assuming oh, um, Ryan, yeah.
1: About. I'm um, uh,
2: Yeah, they obviously your your um your fans. There we go. Do you think? Hi, RYN. If you're Chelsea, welcome. If you're Arsenal, welcome. Does Graham Potter last the weekend, Alison? From RYN.
1: I can't believe by the way, I hadn't actually counted how many points behind you we were. Um, I just counted tonight. I was trying to forget about it, but that's insane. Um it's a really tricky one at the moment because I've always been that positive person saying it's a transition period, and actually we've got all our buying out of the way. So next summer we can have a proper pre-season, and you know, and, and actually I've been buoyed by you know, Enzo looks brilliant, and Madweke has, you know, had I mean, Mudrick as well. I don't know if it's too early to talk about him, but um, there are some decent players in there, but we are reaching new lows. I mean, to lose to Saints as well, it was, I, I just have no words at the moment for it. It's, I think, yeah, 2016 was probably the last season where we were this bad and we bounced back and won the league the following season. But the problem is that, do I think Potter will last? I mean, it's, a, it's an impossible question because under Roman Abramovich, I knew what Chelsea were and I knew that managers didn't last long and we knew there was a cycle and it was you, you'd, you'd only get a season or two and you'd be sacked and then the new manager came in and we, we won loads of trophies. We won so much silverware that way and it, it was a successful way of, of winning even though a lot of other fans didn't like it. But we, just, we hear that under Boerle, it's going to be different. And it's, you know, all these players are getting long-term contracts and, you know, he's been backed. But there is only so much you can take. And I just I just don't know what they They must be in panic mode and just thinking, what on earth can we do? Because particularly with Tottenham, by the way, like that is a big game. And I always remember I worked for Chelsea TV for years from, say, 2005. And under Jose Mourinho the first time, if we so much as drew at Stamford Bridge, there would be a massive inquest and it would be yeah. like, but now it's almost like we just we just take another loss and take another loss. And by the way, the reason why we haven't scored any goal, we don't have, I mean it's ridiculous. We've got all these midfielders and wingers and attacking style players, but we just don't have a number nine. And we haven't for years since Costa. And it's just so frustrating that we spent all that money and and just, I don't know, it just and not done it properly. Like, why on earth do we not have a, a decent number
2: nine? It's... Do you think that, because obviously we were very close to signing Madrid and you came yeah. in at the last moments and took him, do you think then, because obviously Arteta and Edu got slated for that, um, yeah, I do think it's a bit too early and he's. I, I actually don't think he's happy there. And I did say, Alison, and my other half will back me up on this, when Potter signed... I said, he's not the right fit. And I remember my other half and other people saying, why do you think that Arteta? That? I said, I just don't have the feeling that he's, the, so, you know, when you look at Liverpool, Klopp at the time was the right fit. Yeah. Pep is the right fit for City. Arteta is the right fit for Arsenal. Potter at Chelsea is not the right fit. Potter would suit someone like Leicester or Villa. You know, it, it just, to me, he doesn't, doesn't suit it. Um, and I'm conscious of time, and I want to keep talking to you, so you tell me when you have to go because I know you can't stay too much longer. No, no. Um, but I think what Karl Stark says, Mudrick needs time to adjust to the Premier League. However, you need to start winning games. Well, you're not going to be in Europe next year, and you're no. not going to have any Europe. You're going to be like us, where we were. We had nothing. Um, you're paying big, big money out for these players. Um, no, You've I mean, got one of our – You've got an Arsenal fan going, Chelsea's back where they belong mid table. See, the thing is, Alison, I know it's your club and I'm not here um, no, to slag of off your club. No,
1: you're, However, you're very gracious, actually, I have to say.
2: I am. I don't. I, but my point is that Roman Abramovich, the minute he walked into football, for me, ruined the game. Just just ruined it because you bought what you wanted when you went. There was no level playing field. Yeah. And we have what City have done. And then obviously, and and to me, and, and maybe Rancid Pumpkin is right. Maybe you were because in the 80s, you weren't a great side, were you?
1: No. I mean, when I first started supporting Chelsea, I always say to people when my dad first started taking me, I never saw Chelsea win. It just wasn't a thing that me and my dad did together. We we always saw Chelsea lose. And it was it was just enjoyable to support my dad's team. And that's what I knew. It wasn't about. Yeah. I it was all about trophies. It just wasn't really what you came to watch football. It wasn't what it was about, right? And so I do, you know, and I've been really lucky. I mean, I've been so privileged that I've worked for the club when they were in their glory years. And, you know, I've had all of that. Um, I think, yeah, you were definitely right about Potter, I think. But it's a tricky one for him. Like, again, like with Lampard as well, I wasn't really sure how that would work out. And I also felt like he didn't really have much choice but to give it a go anyway. Um, And, you know, there's even rumours, like, would Jose Mourinho come back for a third time? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, what? What kind of a mess are we in? Like I now when I see Chelsea friends of mine, we literally don't we just look at each other and just <laughs> like, don't
2: talk about it. I know. Like,
1: it's just a but it it's it's such a tricky thing. One of the things that's upsetting a lot of people is that the way that Potter speaks to the media, they don't like it. It's very much like how he would have spoken when he was Brighton manager. So like, you know, they were very they were very they were a very tough side, and it's like, you know it might sound really arrogant to other fans, but it's like, we've got this mentality of like, yeah, but we are Chelsea. Like we shouldn't be losing to Southampton. But then I suppose what what gives us that God-given right when I look at this team, right? And I don't identify with it. I was thinking that the other day I was at the West Ham game and I was like, this doesn't feel like my Chelsea because why should it? I mean, it was full of all these January signings. And, you know, it's actually, that's why people like Rhys James and Mason Mount and Silva to an extent, and as thank goodness he's okay after that head injury. But those, those characters at least give me that sort of glimmer of what my Chelsea was. And these players are somehow got to be integrated and it's going to take time. And I am willing to be patient, actually, I am. But I just don't know how much you can back a manager for how long after, you know, losses and losses and more losses and bad performances, and it's a tricky one. Right. One last
2: question on Chelsea, because I um, just want to go to one more thing before you leave. Um, Robert Stevens made a point. I don't understand why they don't even have Aubameyang on the bench. That They ain't scoring goals, so why not unless he has done something else? I mean, yeah. he's not a terrible player, Aubameyang. I know he's not showing you, but surely he's yeah. better than nothing.
1: I mean, yeah, absolutely. But clearly they don't want him anymore. You know, he's not hes not in the Champions League list. Like, you know, its it must be a terrible situation for Aubameyang to look at, you know, a, a team that's not scoring goals and being a bit like, hello. Um, so, yeah, clearly they've got their thinking future. And I do, I, I sometimes, I don't want to say bad stuff about the American ownership model, but I sometimes wonder whether there are, you know some americans who who really think that they the Premier League is a very special beast, isn't it and it's mm. you know you know it so well and we we've been around it and we know what it's like and it's you know if you're an American owner and you've worked in sport and you you've got you're surrounded by all these great financial guys and you think you know what to do and 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 it's just it just doesn't work out um you know maybe. You've got to kind of think, well, maybe I'd, maybe you've got to hold your hands up and say, well, maybe I didn't realise that it's not quite the same as what I thought, and I do have to have a plan B, and maybe that's what they're mm. thinking right now. It, it's, yeah, it's a bit bewildering at the moment as a Chelsea fan.
2: Oh, I mean, obviously I love you. I don't love your team. No. <laughs> that's fair enough to say, as you know. Um, however, um, hopefully it, this is our year, and my year and my team and and stuff and um I would like to say that I hope it improves for you but obviously you.
1: You know what there is one thing I'll say Amanda just before I go that um as you know I've got two young children I've got a five-year-old and a nine-year-old and for whatever reason I know <laughs> have decided they want to support Arsenal now most <laughs> of my mates said, and you still give them a roof over their heads like what kick them out but obviously I love my children and I think that the more I try and make them Chelsea fans, the more they want to rebel. And my little daughter's actually got an Arsenal bedspread on that. She's got this really beautiful, pink, lovely room. And she's got this massive Arsenal bedspread. And I go in there every morning to wake her up. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. But my point is, I know that I'm having a miserable season. And I guess at least my kids will be happy. And a lot of people have said, they chose well this season, like this is the first <laughs> season. They they, they
2: support. You. Know. I do feel sorry for you because if it was my son who's not into football at all, he never was, um, and he wanted to support Chelsea, he wouldn't be able to. He could still live here, but he wouldn't be having a Chelsea bedspread or anything like that. It would make me feel ill. But yeah. good on you, good on you. Look, before you leave, Alison, just changing the subject. It's my mum's birthday tomorrow. She's seventy-seven, oh. and all. Oh, she's not into football. She has no choice in, 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 our, in our family. Weirdly, she was brought up as a Tottenham fan because of my grandfather. She married my dad, who is a massive Arsenal fan, of course. Um, and she's 77. Would you mind wishing a happy birthday for tomorrow?
1: Oh, of course I will. Happy birthday. You must be so proud of your wonderful daughter. Um, oh. Have a lovely birthday. And I know you love Tottenham, but I'm sorry. Please let us win.
2: <laughs> she doesn't love Tottenham. Let's get that out of there. She's not into football, Alison, at all. And she she wants Arsenal to win, so her husband's happy and her daughter's happy. That's all she wants. Oh, but go. thank you so much. Alison, you have been incredible. And I'm so we could go another hour. You're going to have to come back. There's so no, much, so that. many more questions. I know you will. You're I mean, a busy I mean, lady. I
1: interview some Arsenal players. I'll come back and tell you what they're like. Do you know? It's a shame. Like the the Ben White and Trossard one. I, I wish I had more for you, but it was a very, it was quite a gentle interview. They didn't give. Yeah. you money. it was one of those.
2: Oh, I just oh look, and you have got some nice comments. Carl said thanks, Alison. Great guest, Jim. Jim Ev's excellent show oh one said my daughter supports Chelsea and she made me go to the club shop to get her a strip that was painful so obviously he's an Arsenal fan Um, Joshua this has been great thanks ladies and Robert thanks for an excellent podcast so you are so welcome back I'm going to stay on for a little bit just to have a little chat about um, Tottenham can't believe I just said that. Little bit chat about Arsenal, and um, I'm going to let you go. You've been amazing. Thank you so much, Alison.
1: Thanks, Amanda. Cheers, everyone in the chats as well. See you later.
2: Take care. Thank you. Bye. 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 bye, bye. Right, everybody. I'm just going to stay for a few few more minutes to talk about the fact that it looks like Saka's signing a new contract. It looks like all's going well at the Arsenal with that. Um, we've got Leicester away on Saturday. We did do a podcast this week. I can't remember what the boys said. Um, I'm just going to check something, see if they come back to me. Oh, okay. So, um, James went for Arsenal 3, Leicester 1. And Chris went for 1-0. I am going for 1-0. So, what's your um, predictions for Saturday? Sunday night, we will be back at 7.30. And then Tuesday night, I've got a special show. Um, We play Everton on Wednesday night. So, Tuesday night, I've got... Baz from Toffee TV coming on, and the fantastic Alan Myers from Sky Sports. They're both Toffees, see, and it's me against them. So you're going to have to come and join me on Tuesday night and show your support. Um, William Jack, hold on a second. Many, many happy returns to your mum for tomorrow, man. And thank you, Ally. Thank you, and Alison, this has been a great show. Thank you so much. Happy birthday, mum. I love you loads. 77, can't wait to see you tomorrow night, which will be Friday night. And um, as long as we have a lovely dinner out Friday night and ask to win Saturday, that is a perfect birthday weekend for you. Right, Bad Boy says 2-1. Um, Robert thinks 3-0. Wow, okay. Um, I'd love that, Joshua. I think it would be a great game to get Eddie back on track. I totally agree. Carl Stark says 1-2. We're all going for sort of wins, aren't we? It's only Chris that's gone for a draw. Um. Thank you, everyone. I've loved this. This is the third episode of the Thursday sit-down. We had Alison tonight, Rebecca Lowe last week and Robbie from AFTV week four. Regardless of what you think of anyone, maybe watch the shows and see what you think. I am um, having a break from the Thursday shows. I've got a special one coming up, I think, towards the end of March. Um, that would be great as well. But we're here every single week and we really appreciate all your support. Um, and subs- the subscriptions have gone up thank you so much for subscribing to the show thank you for your likes as well it all means a lot to us so i'm going to say happy birthday to my lovely mother i'm going to say good night to you all i'm going to say let's beat the foxes on saturday thank you alison you were a wonderful guest good night everyone always arsenal always arsenal
1: sports social podcast network